0: Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast, for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast, the summer series, featuring discussions by Ree and other members of our community as part of Coffee Talk, presented for the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association. To learn more about Idea, visit ideadance.org. Season three for Regold's Dance Life Podcast will be back at the end of summer. Enjoy this bonus coffee talk series. Take it away, Ray. Kevin, how's
1: it going? It's going well. It's going really well. I'm uh, down in uh, Olney, Maryland, uh, doing Beauty and the Beast. I'm playing the Beast. That's why I have this crazy beard. I've just been growing out. Uh, yeah, but thank you for having me today. This is going to be fun.
0: Thank you for being here. Yeah. We're so excited to chat with you.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So what's new? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna start off by saying to you, take you way back for a second. Okay. When was uh, your first dance class? How old were you? what 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 made it happen? My first dance class
1: was at the age of five mm-hmm. and I saw my sister in a dance class and I thought, all right, this looks like a good time. Why not give it a shot? And at that same time, my dad had also just purchased me um, the Michael Jackson VHS um, history with all of his uh, music videos. And so I was watching the videos, you know, that my dad got me. And then I saw my sister in the dance class and I thought, wait a minute, this, this can actually happen. Like, there's a way that I can do this right here. Um, and my mom signed me up for hip hop. And I was not that great at it. <laughs> but I had a good time. Uh, there was also another guy in class. Uh, it was my neighbor. He signed up as well. I went the first week and I was like, yeah, no, it's a good time. It's a good time. Just trust me. Just just join me. And I just really wanted to have like another guy friend there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he stuck it out for the year with me. Um, yeah, and we had a good time. We, we really enjoyed ourselves. Um, but then I wanted to... Do something else with dance. I wanted to tap dance, and that just became <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> My history <laughs> with tap mm-hmm. dancing. And did you? How, how old were you? Um, that that was the next year. That was six years old. Um, I started out, in you know, in, in your, your basic tap class, um, started doing pullbacks and wings and time steps, um, and I really. I really got the hang of it pretty quickly um, it and, and I enjoyed it. I, I loved going to class. I loved how my feet could just make a lot of different sounds. And it felt like I was playing the drums with my feet and uh, you know, some years passed and uh, I got good, I got good at it. And uh, my mom had found um, this professional tap company in New Jersey called the New Jersey tap ensemble. Mm-hmm. And they were, uh, having a summer boot camp, um, and so you can go and you can take classes with masters uh, from New York City and you know from uh, all, uh, uh, all over the world. And I signed up for a couple classes, and I really enjoyed myself. And the artistic director Deborah Mitchell had approached me and said she wanted me to audition for her company.
2: And I was like, okay, yeah,
1: sure, this sounds great. Evan, how old were you at the time? I was 10 years old
0: wow yep Ten wow you were so young that's amazing i,
2: I was a kid i know uh <laughs> and i was so wait a minute you're saying you tap dance for about a year no no six seven eight
1: four years four okay. years four. Okay. Yeah. Four, yes. Yes, yes. four years.
2: i was getting good over those four years
1: <laughs> but i had those double wings and double pullbacks but but here's the cool thing about about the about that company is that it was dedicated to passing on the legacy of rhythm tap. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the tap dancing that I was doing at my studio was that more uh, traditional Broadway-style tap dance Mm -hmm. where arms had to be out and perfect. Um, So the exciting thing about this company was that I was really going to take my uh, musicality to the next level. Um, I would be working with uh, live musicians for just rehearsals well as performances um but the audition story was crazy because i auditioned for the company and i got a call back and my mom drove me to the call back and i remember sitting in the back seat of her car crying my eyes out i just uh-huh. I, I was terrified I don't so you're
0: overwhelmed I, yeah uh-huh. I was
1: so overwhelmed i was so scared um and I just I didn't want to go in, and I I, I literally chickened out. I didn't go in. <laughs> I didn't do the audition, and my mom was so mad at me. <laughs> and it was one of those like she drags you in by the ear and she sits you down, with, you know, you know, with, with the uh, director, and she's like, you know, tell Miss Mitchell why you didn't come in. And I was like, oh, I was, I was crying. I was so scared. Um, but but Miss Mitchell had me uh, write her a letter as to why tap dancing was important to me and at 10 years old i was just like i love tap dancing (laughs) it it makes me feel good (laughs) i like making music with my feet um and she invited me to come to the next rehearsal to uh uh, you know to 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 dance with the group to see how i hold up and i remember it was just the guys and there were seven of us and we learned choreography to um, Everybody Loves My Baby, which was one of their staple dances. And uh, we do the one man. And so, you know, we would, we would all have to stand behind each other and just form this one man. And you were just, you know, as straight as can be. And then we would do this pinwheel in it. You know, we would do, you know, the shuffle off the buffalo, going sideways, left, right, just as like one single unit. And I remember that day. And at the end of that rehearsal, I felt so accomplished. And Mm
2: -hmm. I got
1: this large envelope from Miss Mitchell and it was my uh, uh, acceptance packet. And from there, um, I had one of my first performances uh, at the uh, New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark and also at uh, Lincoln Center with uh, Duke Ellington's granddaughter, uh, Mercedes Ellington. So it was, it was off to a great start.
0: <laughs> wow, from such a young age. That's incredible.
1: Oh, it was, it was cool. And I was in, I was just starting middle school. So I was just starting sixth, uh, sixth grade. Um, and I, uh, I, I remember there were some days where <laughs> I would get a note to give to the principal that was, that said, Oh, you know, please excuse the young principal dancer Evan Ruggiero from school on these days because he'll be performing at you know yada 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 wherever it wherever it may have been
0: what was that balance like though at school like if you you were a professional dancer in middle school what was that like
1: I'll say I was in school more it wasn't like I was like missing like one day a week or something um but it, it was exciting it was exciting because there there was a teacher that i really connected with and that was my drama teacher and when she found out what i was doing she was like oh my gosh like I, I i need to just introduce you to musical theater i need you to do plays with us i need you to do all of this and then the band teacher was all excited because then he got me into playing the drums and then it was it i you know, went hand and foot yeah. um, but it, it was it was great it, it was great in certain aspects in other aspects, it was very difficult. It was really hard being a guy dancer in middle school,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I got picked on constantly. I got shoved into lockers, I got punched in the arm constantly and like spent a lot of time in the principal's office doing these like <laughs> like like interventions with with the bully and was like I don't know why i'm like what's why is this happening? why can't I just go to dance class um mm-hmm. So that so that was a that was a it was an exciting time for me, but it was also a difficult time for me. Uh, being in middle school, by the time I got into eighth grade, at the end of middle school, yeah, you know, you're you're at the top of the food chain now in middle school because it was just sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So mm-hmm. we're better. And then high school came along, and everybody was kind of doing their own thing. Like all the cliques would just pretty much hang out within their own clicks, because if you were in football, you know, you, that's all you did is, you know, you played football, you had your games on Friday night, you traveled. I was in the marching band as well. And so that's it. I was, I was in the marching band on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That was my schedule for band. And then I would have rehearsal with the company on Thursday nights. Like that was always a thing Thursday, five to seven. And then my other dance classes, I was fitting in around that uh, band and uh, uh, company
2: schedule. I I want to ask you a question before you go on. What, just for our listeners, whether they see it today or on demand, you tell me what made you keep going Mm. when... It was tough and people were making fun of you or bullying you. What was, because that's a point where so many boys stop. What was it that kept you going?
1: Um, I, you know, I, I did a lot of different things as a kid. W- you know, dance, soccer, baseball, karate. Um, you know, I, I mean, the, I'll, and I'll, I'll just tell this funny story that I like to tell. Uh, my dad was a uh, AAA ball player. And he was drafted to the, uh, to the uh, Cincinnati Reds organization. And he couldn't actually play pro ball because he tore his shoulder. He hurt it. Um, but, you know, he supported me every step of the way. And, you know, as, as, as a young guy playing sports, you know, as well, you know, I'm sure he wanted to see me playing baseball. Uh, and I was out there playing baseball as a young kid one day. And a high fly ball comes out to center field. And nothing's really coming out to center field at 10 years old. And I jumped up in the air and I did a tourjete, but also caught the ball. And that was, that was, that was my moment <laughs> in baseball. But the guy, my father says, oh my gosh, like, it looks like that guy's out there doing ballet. And my dad just turns to him and he says, yes, he does. That's my son. And it was just that that mm-hmm. father moment of like, yeah, that that's my son out
2: there. Yeah.
1: Uh, and so it was it was my parents. It was my mom who took me to dance class every day. It was my dad who came to the recitals, you know, who brought the flowers with my mom, who took us out to dinner afterwards, you know. If it was competition, he drove us. You know, he got the whole hotel room set up. Um. It yeah. It, it was yeah. It was the comp- the competition days of you know being a kid. Going away like on some trip, you know, with your dance friends, uh, getting to meet like all these exciting, you know, like famous dancers. And when I was a child, I, I remember uh, my first Broadway musical that I saw was uh, "Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk," and you know, Savion Glover was it, and Ooh. I was seven when I saw that. It was nineteen ninety seven, and then around age twelve around that time at one of my shows at NJ pack Savion came by just to say, Hey, to all the kids. And that was just like one of those, wow, like here you are in, in person. Like, this is really cool. Um, You know, just just getting to talk with all these masters as a kid is just what really kept me going. Uh, You know, there weren't, there weren't really any guys at my local dance studio. I was, I was the one, you know, male dancer Mm -hmm. um but when it came to the tap company i had so many older men who were such good influences um on me and so that that really helped me go
0: i think it's being exposed in any way that you can to you know i feel like i mean obviously i'm a female dancer and i've always had strong female dancers in my life and but now as a studio owner like i do have one little boy on team this year and he's with 28 other girls he is my one boy but the thing is like he is so proud to be on team my mom runs my front desk and his name's nate and my mom found out and they have this little connection the two of them and he always goes in and talks to her about his pokemon cards and you know like my mom's like the boy mom so yeah he has that little connection with her and my mom found out that he made company and She goes, Nate, you, oh my God, I found out, but like you're on company. And he said, my mom goes, I, it it just made my heart explode, Laura, when he said it to me, she goes, I can't wait to wear my, my jacket to school, my company jacket. And I'm like, oh, like, that's what I want. I want him to know, like, be proud of that. You work so hard to get that company jacket and to be on that company team. Like, so like for me, like, I'm, I feel like I'm like soaking up all of this because this is the first year that I've had a boy on our team and i don't want him to lose or lose that passion or get uncomfortable or you know and i feel like like you said he's still young he's only in second grade yeah. but those years are coming where he i unfortunately i'm sure people will start saying stuff to him so it's it, nice to get that feedback from you I,
1: mean, I, I i will say though like the positives of social media are now just the access to everything yeah. And just seeing so many dancers and performers out there, you know, how, you know, men, women mm-hmm. of all sorts of so just, you know, that can provide motivation for
2: you to just keep going. Yep. I, I do believe it's a better world uh, yeah. than it was, let's say, 20 years ago or 30 years ago when I was growing up. Um, I, too, went through what Evan talks about. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because his answer was something I would answer was my mother always took Rennie and I to talk to the teachers at different conventions, classes, and those men would encourage us to keep dancing. And I I really think that that was how you balance going to school and feeling down and then... Over the weekend, going to a master class, maybe with a Giordano or going to New York and taking a class. And my mother going, "Hey, will you, we give my boys some encouragement?" You know, it was, it was. That's what boys need. But we're in a much better place in twenty twenty two, in most cases. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, this generation doesn't care it's their parents yeah who care and say things but if you if you keep this going for about another 10 20 years it's it's be who you are Mm -hmm. be who you are in this world okay so evan yeah there came a point i don't know how old you were but You discovered that you had uh, pain in your leg, or you were having pain in your leg. Take us from that point forward, if you would. Mm -hmm. I was um,
1: a sophomore at Montclair State University. I was getting my my BFA in musical theater, and I was singing every day, and I was in ballet class four days a week, and tapping jazz, and acting classes, and... Um, I was in the middle of a um, rehearsal process for a show that we were about to open, and I woke up one morning with a pain in my right leg, and I couldn't walk at all, and so I called my mom and just told her what, you know, what was going on, and um, she had me take an x-ray. And so I got this x-ray and that doctor said, okay, like this looks like a, uh, a lesion or a tumor or a mass of some sort. And so I want you to have this checked out at Sloan Kettering. And so I hear the word Sloan Kettering and I'm like, well, can't like Sloan Kettering specializes in cancer. Um, so I met with the specialist at Sloan Kettering and I told him all about my life and what I do and being a dancer and being in a show, you know, at the moment. And, um, you know, just based off of the x-ray that he saw and the pain that I was in, he wanted to do uh, a biopsy operation to figure out what this is. And I pleaded with him. I said, yeah, but it's opening night. It's opening night of this show. Can I just please, please do my opening night? And so he let me do opening night. And then the next morning I scheduled at 6 a.m. for surgery and uh, after that biopsy i was uh, told that i was being diagnosed with osteosarcoma which is bone cancer and you know i, I would require you know more surgery and treatment to uh, rid the cancer and uh we weren't really sure at first what that actually meant um and we talked about chemotherapy in the beginning, but it didn't look like the cancer was um, that severe where I would need to go through chemo. And so it looked like surgery was going to be the best option. And um, we did everything we could do when it came to um, having the function of of my legs and just and just the you know having a sound body so that I could continue dancing. I remember talking about different surgeries with my team and, you know, the, the results of what that surgery would, would leave me with mainly because I said, well, don't forget I'm a dancer or don't forget I'm an actor or I'm a singer. I have to do all this stuff in my career. Like, this is what I want to do. You know, please respect that. And they did. Um, And so the first surgery that I had was the removal of the cancer and the, and the, the shin bone, the tibia bone, you know, the section of the shin bone that had the cancer, they took it out. And then they took uh, the fibula bone, the smaller one from my left leg, and then they put that into my right leg. And that was supposed to uh, grow to become a new tibia bone or shin bone. And then when that kind of had its uh, setbacks and there was a blood clot there, they talked about taking muscle from my left leg and I said, no, 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 please don't. You know, my, my dance, my dance. And then they said, Oh, well, like we could take it from your uh, abdominals. I said, no, no, please don't. Like I'm an actor. Like if I ever have to take my shirt off in in a movie or something or on stage, I don't want to have a scar going across my stomach or anything like that. I was so faint at the time. (laughs) Here I am with cancer. This is what I'm thinking about. Um, (laughs) And so they decided to take uh, muscle from my lat muscle along the back. And um, that worked out well. Um, I wound up spending 31 days in the hospital, had a lot of complications while I was there. But I made it home for Christmas uh, 2009, you know, uh, uh, New Year's 2010 uh, right there. And I spent the next, uh, was it like five months, uh, going to physical therapy, you know, trying to get stronger. Um, I, I lost a lot of muscle and a lot of weight just sitting in the hospital for over a month. And, you know, I, I wanted to walk again. That was the big thing. I wanted to walk. I wanted to put weight on my leg. I wanted to get back into a dance class. I wanted to go to school again, see all my friends. Um, So things were starting to look up uh, around May of 2010. I had this uh, large external fixator on my leg, which kind of looked like a a halo device that was holding my bones in place. And I was so embarrassed of it. Like, this was truly the worst thing in the world at the time. (laughs) It was this halo device on my leg, in my head. I wore the same pair of sweatpants every single day. I tried to cover this device. I didn't want people to see, like, like underneath the you know the, this this device too. You know, you could see the skin graft on my leg. It just like my leg just it looked beat up. It, something was going. Yeah, something was wrong. And um, finally, we had we put a date on the calendar where this device was coming off. And this was the best day ever. And my doctor also said that he was going to take some hip bone and his term was slam dunk. Slam dunk it into my, into my tibia bone because hip bone is very lively and that'll jumpstart the cells. And I mean, the, the main thing though that I cared about was that this fixator was coming off. I was like, great, new life, here we go. And I have that operation. I wake up from the surgery and I, the fixator's off, I'm in a cast, but something doesn't feel right. And I realized my hip felt totally normal. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting to have that like kind of post surgery numbness kind of area mm-hmm. in the hip and it wasn't there. And my doctor said, Evan, we got the fixator off but you know, uh, we analyzed your leg before the operation and it looks like you have new cancer cells forming. Yeah. Um, and there's a threat that it may have spread to your lungs, it may be in the in the soft tissue now, so you know we'll talk to you tomorrow you know what this plan is that we're going to do and so the next day comes and I don't I really truly did not expect the news that I was about to hear, um, but um, I was told that I would have to have my right leg amputated uh, in you know to some degree, uh, whether it be a <laughs> Of, uh, foot rotation plasty, which was a uh, new surgery at the time, where they rotate your foot and then they attach it to your residual limb so that you could have a functioning knee joint, or an above-the-knee amputation. And um, I was, I was pissed off. <laughs> That's really it. There's truly really, there's no other way to, to describe how I felt. It was I was yelling. <laughs> it was angry. Um, because I had just gone through seven months of surgery and treatment. And I just, I, like, what, what was it all for? If we were just to come to this moment right here where we were going to amputate my leg, why didn't we do it seven months ago? And we, I didn't have to go through
2: all this trauma and pain. Um, cause you told them what you wanted and they gave yeah. it the best shot.
1: I know, I know, I know. Well and that's the thing too, is that is that you know, in his words he said, you know, well we're not just going to amputate your leg from the jump, you know, you know, we wanna, right. you know, save your limbs. You know, we don't you know, there's so many other uh, you know, operations that we can do that isn't, you know, resorting to amputation. Right. Um and within this conversation that we were having we did start to get on a more positive footnote. Um, And we did start talking about prosthetics and the advancements and how far they've come and running and swimming and walking. And in that moment, I remember that there was a tap dancer who tap danced with a prosthetic leg. Mm -hmm. Um, And my teacher, Miss Mitchell, we uh, were watching a video one day when I was 16 years old, in class, and it was all the great tap dancers. It was um, Charlie Atkins, um, Gregory Hines, and Savion Glover was in there. Uh, Tip, tap, and toe. The Nicholas Brothers. Um, Sammy Davis Jr. was on it, um, and sure enough, comes Peg Leg Bates. You know. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I just thought, like, wow, this guy is amazing. He's laying it down with one leg, and he's doing better than most people with two legs. Um, And I didn't really think much of it other than that until fast forward. Now, here I am, and I'm being told that my leg is going to be amputated. Um, And I said, you know what? If Peg Leg Bates can do it, so can I. Mm. My doctor knew who Peg Leg Bates was and he believed in me and he shook my hand he vowed to save my life and he said that he would be there for my first performance um and so i signed the paper that says hey you're gonna have your leg amputated on may 21st 2010 there's no going back (laughs) that's it here's the contract uh and i did it i did it and um i woke up and i spent about a week in the hospital it was probably one of the easier operations I had done. Um, it was straightforward and to the point, there was like, there was nothing that really needed to be monitored other than my pain, and it was, for the most part, under control. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he did a great job. He did what he had to do. Um, uh, about two weeks after that operation, when I was back home... He did call me to let me know that uh, it was now high-grade osteosarcoma. And so I would need to uh, start chemotherapy, which I was terrified. I was terrified for that. Um, because I knew that going through chemotherapy, I would become very weak. I'd become very sick. And one thing that, that frightened me about it was, was the image that I would have um, and how I would look. And, um, I already, I already had, I, I was already very, uh, uh, self-conscious about the way I look because now I just lost my leg. Right. So I had to deal with that. And now I knew I was going to have to go through this and now I was going to lose all my hair and my eyes were going to be all sunken in. And I didn't even know it. I, that's really where it was for me. I didn't know anything else about like the side effects that would actually happen. And (laughs) looking back at photos of the way that I looked, it was far worse than my initial thought. Uh, But, um, so I was terrified about that. Um, and I eventually said, okay, I'm going to do this after a lot of back and forth between the doctors and family and friends about it. Um, I did it. Uh, and then through some scans, it looked like there was something going on uh, on my left lung. And so uh, the doctors wound up going in there and uh, they went into both lungs, you know, eventually, and took out a total of eight different tumors that were laying dormant there. Yeah. Um, so it, it was just a, it was a time <laughs> in my life. I wound up going back to school during the chemo and right after my amputation um, because fall registration was April of 2010. And in April of 2010, I was feeling great. Remember I was going to physical therapy. I was like right. care of myself. Yeah. So I registered for 13 credits worth of courses. and
0: And you did that in the fall. You took 13 credits.
1: I did it. Yeah wow so what happened was then over the summer as i was going through chemo right after the amputation it may have been like july or august and i told my you know, my uh my uh my, my team i said look i'm I'm going back to school they're like you, you can't go back to school they're they like no like i'm going back to school they said, like if somebody has a cold or a cough like while you're going through chemo like that can really put you in the hospital um and I said, "Well, I have to do something with my life. I can't just sit here every single day and just think about this." <laughs> and I went back to school. I did it. And my teachers were great about it. They just said, "When you're here, you're here. When you're at the hospital, you're at the hospital. Just just be there. Don't worry about your classes. Don't worry about the homework. Don't even, don't look at it. Focus on what you have to do and just, you
2: know, make it back here so that you can be here with us." Mm. Um, so I got to take you now a little yeah, forward. I want to yeah. ask you, so you're in school, you're getting your credits. When did you say I'm going to dance again? Or so that, when did you dance again? Yeah,
1: that was the following year. So that was in 2011. So I waited a whole year after going back to school for the first time. I finished, I finished all of my chemo, including the, cl- uh, the uh, clinical trial, that I was on October twenty first, 2011 and by that time my hair had grown back I was feeling good mm-hmm. I had my prosthetic leg that I was walking on for a little of you know for like yeah it, it, it was over a year and I said to my prosthetist as someone who makes prosthetic legs I said okay look we know what Peg Leg Bates is doing why not give this a shot? You know, I just get me a peg leg or something like that. Something really simple. And um, he brought out this peg leg and um, I tried it on and I just, I let muscle memory kick back in. Mm -hmm. Thought about just being a drummer and being a musician and just creating rhythms and different sounds. And I thought about a time step and, and how, how would that work with my peg leg and my left, foot. Um and I I just tried to create this new vocabulary for myself so that it could make sense and so that I could speak it out as I as I tap it. Um so like a time step, you know, you would have step, hop, step, full lap, step, step, hop, step, full lap, step, step. And so instead of my head, I was saying peg, hop, peg, full lap, peg, step, peg, toe, heel, peg, heel, peg, hop, peg, full lap, peg, step, peg, toe, heel, peg, heel. So with like so with the steps like the uh, toe heel peg heel I would just try and compensate and just make make the same sounds that you would instead of doing right. step, step, laps, step hop step full lap step it would be toe heel peg heel um, so that if I dance next to you we had the you know the same sounds they may just sound slightly different but that but that in itself was the exciting part was when I would dance with somebody else and we would do some choreography or we would do a shim-sham or a bs chorus or something like that um and we would hear how the sounds play off of each other
2: wow as a
0: tapper that is amazing <laughs> and i i you know how the, how the universe works in such strange ways the fact that you were a drummer and you understand music like not just as a tapper yeah. but really understand and music I feel like, in some strange way, that universe that was for a reason that you got into drums, and I mean, like that is, that's unbelievable.
2: All of it is for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah May yeah, not uh, be easy, wow. but it's for a reason. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I I
1: definitely agree with that. It it yeah. Everything everything during my diagnosis, like it was everything that I did as a kid. And growing up and the hobbies that I had and and the things that I wanted to do with my life that I set out to do in my teenage years and as a kid and I was like this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life all just came back and just were like this is how you're this is how you're gonna beat cancer you just think of these things you're gonna act on them yep even during chemo when I was at school the director of Our program put me in Sweet Charity. You know, he put me in the show. I was like, "What are you thinking? I am getting chemo every day." He gave me the part of Herman, who's this like grumpy nightclub owner, and so it kind of worked out. I had no hair. I drew on this like little mustache. I was like going around, just like ah, like be quiet, girl. Um, somebody actually, a, a family friend, not a family friend, but, uh, an old teacher came to actually see me in that production and said like, wow, like that, his skull cap is so good. And my mom was just like, that's, that's his, that's his head. <laughs> like, that's Evan. You haven't seen him in a while. You know what he's going through. Right. And, but it was, it was. Fun, you know, like I, you
0: just I feel like committed to the character, that's all. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's you know,
1: right into the character. I just was it's like, okay. you know what, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. And I would get chemo during the day and I get like a I get like I'd be in the parking lot of like CVS with one of my friends, family friends who's a nurse, and she would um administer these like uh they call them peg shots, they were like booster shots that my hospital gave. And you know, they just you know, sub Q shots in the arm. And but I felt like, oh yeah, like here we are, like in the parking lot of CVS, and she's coming up, and she's giving me the shots in the arm before the show, and I'm like, going to the musical, like, yeah, we're good, I'm great, it's time to do a show. <laughs> it, was, it was a time, it was just a time
2: in my life that <laughs> it it
1: actually goes. sounds
2: like you have a lot of friends or teachers <laughs> who believed in you. Oh like.
1: yeah, yeah, and and the crazy thing too is like, you know, like I just gave like the full like these were the facts and like this is what was happening during this time the important stuff Mm. but all the other things that were also going on during that time was that I was a 19 and 20 year old college student and my friends were just happy to have me back and they didn't care that I was going through chemo they didn't care that I just lost my leg if they wanted to go to some you know 18 and up club on a Thursday night for thirsty Thursday they would drag me along with it <laughs> and there was me you know the kid with cancer in the corner and I had my bowler hat on and <laughs> scarf like wrapped up all around my head you know sipping on a glass of water like yeah, hey, this is a great time guys like, oh, <laughs> what <are you>
0: doing? <laughs> well do you think that that helped you with to keep your sense of like normalcy though oh absolutely that, like-
1: yeah um, uh, yeah hands down hands down 100 percent of just being able to have fun and just being able to forget about it yes. um in those moments and you know not you know leaving the the business of the hospital at the hospital and then just trying to have a positive outlook when you weren't there yes. um because it because that that's what people say about getting through chemo and about getting through a, a cancer diagnosis is, is your outlook and, you know, not to get down in the dumps. I mean, it's very easy to, I did plenty of times, you know, it, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, it was my 20th birthday and I was just angry at the world on my 20th birthday that I had to go through chemo and then I just lost my leg and that everybody else was going out, living their best lives. Mm-hmm. Um, But having that normalcy uh, in my life gave me those positive moments that, you know, it it allowed me to laugh. It allowed me to have, you know, humility, you know, shame, you know, the, the, the trying to figure out how to walk again in a snowstorm and like falling plenty of times going to class and being frustrated, but also laughing about it. Like, why is the school's, still making us go to class in a snowstorm and why is the guy with one leg going through chemo even attempting to go to class okay. it was just like funny things that like we you know at the time we're like oh this is so frustrating but then like a week later we'd be like yeah like why did we think to do that that was stupid and
2: yeah.
0: Evan, I just said that I wrote down resilience I feel like you're the definition of resilience you're like a mind over matter this is still what I want to do in my life. And to me, that's the definition of resilience. No matter what's in your way, you just hey. figure it out and you push through and here you are now. Cause what are you doing now? You're dancing professionally and touring. Tell I, us about that.
1: I am I'm doing it. I'm doing everything still. I'm, I'm traveling around the world, um, tap dancing, singing, acting, motivational speaking, playing with my band. Um, I was, uh, before COVID, um, I was, uh, playing with Jason Mraz, doing some shows with him. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. He's like a, you know, a childhood, um, idol. Um, I'm in Beauty and the Beast right now in only Maryland, uh, playing the Beast. Um, so that, that's a fun time. Uh, when I come back, from this, I'll be down in Atlanta, Georgia doing the uh, Junior Theater Festival down there where I'll be singing and dancing. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, an, exciting, it's an exciting life. I've, I've been to just about every state in the country, um, all over the world, you know, and just performing. I never thought that that would happen. I kind of, like, I wanted it to. I, I definitely wanted it to, but I didn't. It It's so hard to actually see it actually, like really coming true. And then in those days of going through that diagnosis with cancer and then coming back to tap dancing, the, 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 just those results of just saying, wow, I'm going to go here now, I'm going to go there. What, what is happening? So it, it's very exciting. Um, and it's never
2: a dull moment, never a dull moment. Um, one thing you leave out, usually I say to our guests, give me some words of wisdom. I'm going to give you one here or a couple. You don't realize it, I don't think. But do you realize how much of an inspiration you are to kids who have disabilities or, or are different from the norm know that yes you're performing you're doing all of these awesome things but this situation you found yourself in is inspiring so many people able-bodied people and non and you need to know that about yourself so that was my little re-motivational talk to you thank you thank you very much
1: and there, there are a there, there's a lot of children with disabilities who will who will reach out to me through Instagram, where their parents will. Um, somebody just reached out to me the other day that she has a student in one of her dance classes. I know, no, not a dance class. Uh, it's just her, uh, just her regular school class, and uh, she's uh, she's missing an arm, and they had to talk about. Um, just just people in their lives and this teacher told me that she mentioned me she saw my stuff on instagram and she was like yeah like i know that i'll be okay and that you know my life will be fine because i saw a video of evan and you know he's doing what he you know loves to do and so like i can also be a dancer and an actor and um and and it just touched me it was thanksgiving and i was like tell her she is so sweet, you know, reach out whenever, um, you know, if she, if if you want to come see the show that we're doing, just, you know, reach out to me. Um, and then we have, we have people coming to see the show right now, uh, who are disabled. And, you know, we, we did a talk back the other day on Saturday and, uh, there was a gentleman in the audience, um, and he just wanted to just Thank me for what I'm doing, and I could see that I could see that he was uh, uh, in a wheelchair, and he was just he was just happy to see somebody like him just moving on stage, just doing yeah. something. So it 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 really is uh, touching, and and I and I and I do love when when people reach out to me and they they share their
2: stories, and and we have this bond. boy. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. As hard as it is, it's a gift. Yes. Laura, got any closing words for us today, my friend?
0: I hope everyone's inspired by this because I am. That was beautiful, Evan. Thank you for sharing your story today.
2: Thank you so much, Laura. I hate it. Thank you, Evan, and thank you all for tuning in. And thank you, everyone, again.
0: Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast.